Thank you so much for listening to The Last of Us, You and Me podcast, a companion podcast for the HBO show, The Last of Us. My name is Sancho West, and just like you, I'm a big fan of this entire world that Naughty Dog has created called The Last of Us Universe. I remember the first video that I uploaded regarding The Last of Us, and I have never looked back. This game is so responsible for my entire career, and not only that, I've worked with Naughty Dog in multiple instances as host and things like that in their streams regarding The Last of Us and Uncharted, things of that sort. And this has been a journey that I did not see, that you could never say back in 2013 when this game first launched that it would be an HBO show and what a better place to have the last of us universe be shown in a cinematic way than HBO by far one of the best places that is producing the best television shows of all time just to give you an idea what this show is going to be about this podcast is going to be all about is we're essentially going to go every episode we're going to watch it and react and things of that sort and we'll do some breakdowns I'm going to tell you some of the differences between the game and the show itself but the main thing i want to point out is i'm not the end all be all like i said this is the last of us you and me podcast and i want you to be a part of it please at me at twitter at sancho west to discuss anything that i missed or something that you predict and we will bring it onto the podcast but of course for those people that don't want to have the actual show itself spoiled i'll let you know when we get into it Before we begin, this is the first episode, and just to let everybody know, I actually saw the world premiere down in uh, the UCLA campus. I saw the world premiere, the first episode of The Last of Us. So this recording is happening way before, like a week or six days before the actual premiere on HBO. So I was able to go to the red carpet, check everything out, see all the, the glitz and glamour of it all, and I gotta say, seeing The Last of Us logo on a big movie theater screen is just a surreal, surreal real experience i talked to some of my naughty dog friends and developers i'm like man can you believe that this is actually happening and then all of them were all flabbergasted and they could not believe that this was actually happening that something that they poured so much into 10 years plus it almost feels like 10 years ago well yeah basically 10 years ago and end up being on the hbo it's phenomenal so this is going to be a very different episode than you will see on the rest of the last of us you and me podcast this is going to be more of a reactionary normally i would watch the show again just to see if i catch anything but i am literally going off of memory from the world premiere so if i miss anything please feel free to at me at twitter Here is my uh, general review of it before we get into the plot of the first episode. Oh my goodness. I have to say, the reason why this show is going to work is because it's not a video game. Let me unpack that box a little bit. Naughty Dog itself is a very known as cinematic type of storytelling. That, that is what they champion. If you never heard of Naughty Dog, if this is your, you're, if you're not a video gamer, Naughty Dog is the top tier, the cream of the crop when it comes to video games and creation. And in their kind of like championing storytelling and writing and cinematic cutscenes. So these are the moments that happen in between gameplay, which it shows you in-depth characters and they go into a dialogue moment. So it feels like you're actually watching a bit of media. That is Naughty Dog in a nutshell. These are the best. They have always win Game of the Year awards and we always wait for their next project. The show itself, when you strip away The gameplay nuances that you have to do, the tutorial, uh, going down, which I'll get into more detail, mowing down multiple people, 
when you strip all the way, the unnecessary walking, the unnecessary uh, little tidbits, finding loot, things like that, scavenging, all that kind of stuff, and you get to the nugget of what is The Last of Us, which is what we love the most, the story, it functions so much better than the game itself. Some of my criticisms about the first Last of Us game is that the best parts are the cutscenes and the dialogue in between and the action is a little bit stiff, but the thing that always slows me down is the puzzle sequences, which I really disdain. There's about two different kinds of puzzles. It's either find a ladder to get to another area, find a garbage can to get to another area, or find a pallet because Ellie can't swim. Those are the things that I'm so happy that in this first episode, we don't really come across. And because it strips himself and it frees himself from video game rules, you let the story and the characters shine. And these characters of Joel, Tommy, Ellie, Tess, Marlene, all of them, or basically all front and center. And that's what I enjoyed the most about this first episode. And these characters are powered right behind some phenomenal acting talent. Pedro Pascal as Joel is perfect, stoic, brooding, and this is going to be the next like renaissance of Pedro Pascal. Uh, what I enjoy about Pedro is that his career basically started off late when it comes to the mainstream media, starting with Narcos and of course, you know, Game of Thrones as the Viper, and then of course, the Mandalorian. It, is phenomenal casting to have him play Joel Miller. Uh, when this game was first talked about, everyone loves to do the thing, the evergreen content of who we cast in this show to play so-and-so. And there's always Hugh Jackman, Josh Brolin, all these characters of that time, of two and actors of that time of 2013, that would be the one that, you know, yeah, that makes sense. But no one really saw Pedro Pascal to be the one to play the iconic Joel Miller. And I would have to say in this first episode, you see that you don't have to worry about that. One thing that I really did worried about going into The Last of Us show was the role of Ellie, played by Bella Ramsey, because in the trailers, it kind of hit her a little bit. You didn't see a lot of her dialogue, things like that, because Ashley Johnson, the actress who played the, who voiced her and did the motion capture for Ellie was really good. She's very iconic in her own right. And everyone was wondering, can Bella Ramsey capture that same biting young teenager who literally grew up in a post-apocalyptic type world scenario? And yes, I would say yes, Bella Ramsey nails it. Her first introduction to the character, you just go, that's Ellie. You don't have to worry about anything else. Bella Ramsey is, is a veteran of the HBO scene when it comes to Lady Mormont in the Game of Thrones. And that character was a, a little bit more stoic, a little bit more reserved, a little bit of a leader. And then she has that one pop-off moment in the Game of Thrones. So here, it's a little bit different. She's loud. She's annoying. She's brazen. She's a typical teenager when it comes to this. And it is going to be so exciting to see how the relationship develops. The thing that I like about this show more so the video game, like I said earlier, this show allows us to explore, to sit with the characters a lot longer versus then using them as a vessel to get to the next point. Like, all right, let me get to the next set point, uh, set piece. That's often a criticism of Naughty Dog Games. It's like, it's all about a walking simulator getting to the next set piece. We get to experience who they are. It does a great job of getting into the characters that were just side characters that we still loved in the video game, but this is a, a great opportunity to see what makes them tick kind of who they are in different situations so it's a little bit of a, a character study one thing that gets me the most excited if you're a big fan of the naughty dog game itself is that the action sequences are on point they're almost sometimes a shot 
first shot of what we see in some of the video games. Some of the times the lines that are the same lines and the delivery gets a good pop out of you, gets a little bit excited. They let you know like, yes, the people who worked on this, of course, Neil Druckmann is an executive producer and I think he directed a couple of the episodes as well. Literally ripped from the video game itself, but there's something different about seeing it in the television screen. There's something different about actually seeing this visceral action, this intensity happen in front of you. The, the Last of Us never was a scary game to me. To me, it was always about the action and going to the moment to moment, but The Last of Us HBO show really does capture that horrifying feeling of dread of this scary thing that these cordyceps infected humans rushing you they're called runners in the video games you really feel that and i haven't felt that way in a long time when it comes to the zombie genre i mean you could think of day of the dead and things of that sort or 28 days letter that captures zombies in a different way or even shot of the dead right there's all the different types of zombies or infected humans i have yet to see a clicker but the runners themselves are a lot scarier in the show than in the video game itself. It doesn't feel like a video game. We've all encountered different types of video games that have made the leap into the silver screen. It's only come a couple of instances that I actually do feel that I'm, I'm watching a video game. And it's when I see the Firefly logo, believe it or not, because it just stands out because the Firefly logo is the Firefly logo, right? It's like sticks out like a sore thumb almost, but I guess that's what the intention is because the Fireflies of who they are. It doesn't feel like it's those very fan servicey things. It, it doesn't feel like it's a nudge, nudge, wink, wink. We are big fans of the game just like you are type of beat and doesn't treat us like a child. It really respects the genre of itself when it comes to the video game nature. And the last thing I want to get into before we get into the plot is talking about Gabriel Luna, who's playing Tommy, Joel's brother. He's a dear friend of mine. He went to my alma mater. He is kind of an older class and things of that sort. But to see his career go from Ghost Rider to the Terminator to here, he, he is really solid about these brooding characters. I mean, you're playing Ghost Rider for crying out loud. Very solid at being these brooding characters. But he has a knack for kind of bringing in nuanced charm. And for some reason, Tommy is very charming in this opening episode. But to see what what happens to Tommy and when he goes all through it and then when he turns it on into being the soldier Tommy it's a very great performance and I cannot imagine acting opposite of Pedro Pascal and he nailed it so I'm very excited to see what Gabriel Luna and it was interesting to hear um, them talk about the actors it was always Pedro Pascal Bella and Gabriel Luna, they call him Gabe. So I was like, dude, for him to be in that same sentence of the main actors just lets me know that Tommy is a solid, solid character in the show. This is spoiler territory for the show. Remember, spoiler territory for the show and then spoiler territory for the people who played the video game already. You've been warned. Remember, this is all from my memory. So if I get this wrong, I get this wrong. The title screen, holy, Gustavo's music with the title, with the quadricep fungus, a very Game of Thrones, by the way. And then it goes and then it grows into like a city and then it goes down to Ellie and Joel silhouettes. Amazing. One of the best HBO openings of all time. I digress. The show itself opens up with a kind of like a 1970s interview or 60s interview from between scientists talking about the end of the world from a viral standpoint. And what's quite interesting is watching this show through the lens of what we just went through. When this game came out in 2013, there wasn't any pandemic. We didn't experience anything on a global level such as COVID. We experienced that and now this, this entire story is coming out again so we could relive it. 
vivid, but it's different this time because we actually lived it. So the scientists are talking about the cordyceps fungus. And of course, the one of the interesting things that, that came out during the lead up to this show's premiere is uh, Craig Mazin was talking about how we change the way people get infected is not a aerial spore. It is more of a tactile kind of uh, tentacle type thing that you can latch onto and the cordyceps takes over. It's already caused a little bit of a split with the people in the video game. I, for one, don't care. I mean, it's a new medium. If it, it kind of conveys the story a little bit better, by all means, great. That's not the most important thing to me when it comes to Last of Us. The most important thing is, are they true to Joel and Ellie? I digress. More on that later. And it kind of like sets the stage. Granted, it's a little bit drawn out. You know, as someone who's played the game, I was like, get it. Cordyceps bad. So they talked about what if it happens if it made the leap into the human mind. And what would happen is because this cordyceps virus take over the body and they take over the mind, they cause hallucinations, they take over the host. It's basically uh, describing to you what these infected humans are going to look like. They grow new flesh from the cordyceps and this and that. And the longer they live, the more they turn into these kind of monstrous beings and this infected human. And then it ends with like, well, because of global warming, the leap may happen. The fungi virus may jump into humans like it has attacked ants. And then it stops, boom, and then it goes into 2003, which is a trip to see 2003 on the screen. It is set in Austin, Texas. And of course, being from Austin myself, seeing the Capital Metro old school bus, I was like, man, this is attention to detail. And if you never in played a Naughty Dog game, if you never heard of them like I talked about in the opening, they are masters of attention to detail. May not matter to you, but for someone from Austin and Austin, I keep Austin weird. Seeing that bus again, I was like, okay, someone's paying attention. So the, the difference between the game and here is that we are seeing a lot more of Sarah. So this entire opening beat is about Sarah. The game itself starts with that scene on the couch, but here in the show, it starts with Sarah waking up and is showing her that she is the kind of like the one that runs the house and Joel's a mess. Joel doesn't have dinner. Joel is still in his, is so busy grinding the construction job that he's like, oh, did you do your homework? And like he, he doesn't know how to be a father because he's so busy with work. And you kind of see the details of the performances from Pedro Pascal and the actress who played Sarah. What I like about the show is that it's spending more time with Sarah and of course, if you've seen the show, you know what's going to happen to Sarah, which we'll get more to that uh, in a bit. Her name is Nico Parker. Great performance as Sarah. Because we never get to met her. She's in literally a couple scenes and then we take over her as a character. We literally wake up almost in her bedroom is the most time we spend with her. And we're looking around her trinkets and things of that sort. So in this scene, we spend time with Sarah. She makes breakfast. She goes to school. We meet Tommy. Sarah leaves school. She goes in to get Joel's watch fixed. And you're hearing that throughout this entire time is like strange things are happening. You're like, what's hoping not? You hear things over the radio. You see like planes flying and you see like more cops and firefighters and things like all this commotions happening through the city. So you see something's intense happening. One of the things that is a big change as well is you meet the neighbors next door and the neighbors have an elderly woman, like a, a, an older grandma, great grandma that they're taking care of and she's in hospice. And then you have the neighbors that are like, hey, why don't you come over? Things of that sort. So you meet the neighbors. So you already, you're knowing a little bit more about Sarah and you're meeting the neighbors, which is something that's completely different from the video game itself if a video gamer had to go through all this we'd be like i'm bored this sucks but that's what i like about the hbo show is i could actually be in this world a little bit longer which is awesome and then once it gets into the video game it's a very familiar scenes of sarah on the couch and then you know i sell drugs hardcore drugs classic line got a pop of the audience here is where the, the it gets back into the video game track so to speak and once it jumps into that video game track you're like yes dude let's go this feels like a horror show at some time when that hospice lady you first see the instances that the cordyceps virus which goes really fast to the body is taking over it is 
kind of like Conjuring-esque, a little bit unnerving, and they kept it like blurred. And you remember, I was, I was like, ooh, this is what I want. This is what I want to fear. I want to fear that. Because as a gamer, we don't fear death in video games because we just respawn. You just restart the level. Granted, the deaths in the video game are very gruesome. So seeing the Cordyceps virus take over, and you're like, oh, man, it's about to go down. So the elderly woman goes through that, and then it comes back over, and like I said, it gets back into the video game track. And this is the moment that I was convinced that the video game nature of it is going to be in good hands because it's almost a shot for shot kind of experience from Joel, Tommy, and Sarah escaping their home into out into Texas highways. I was like, dude, that is exactly like the video game. The amplifies it to like a whole other level because remember they made this game in 2013 and granted they remade it uh, once and they remade it again for part one they were kind of stuck in the kind of the script of what it is with the hbo budget they're like you know what let's go a little bit more so the difference is in this scene is that it's all the same tableaus and things of that sort but now the difference is a planes are flying over out of control and so now when they remember that scene where they get into town and tommy's like trying to get around and the violence of the scene of everyone just jumping fighting each other choking each other all this kind of craziness mayhem is breaking out in the streets and to physically see a runner attack someone i didn't bring this up but that kitchen scene with that hospice old lady literally biting and hairs in her mouth that was disgusting yikes just hearing the dialogue and all that kind of chaos break down those naughty dog quips that when you're playing the game and you just hear the characters pop off and talk to each other they nail it gabriel luna and pedro pascal like Go over here tom don't do this don't do that like all that stuff adds to intensity and here uh, Nico Parker is selling the fear that you have throughout this entire moment like what would happen if all of a sudden the world just stopped and just went into chaos and then they do a little swerve in the video game you know when that car came out and the, that is where the, the car crash happens what ends up happening is a literally a plane crashes behind everybody and the boom blackout and that is how we get into the next segment of the video game which is Joel and Tommy getting separated and Joel running through the bar and this is also the first time where we see a runner on screen and the runners are so terrifying. It's almost like I am legend type, very, very close to I am legend type beat. But this is what, what sells the game, the movie as a, or the show better than the game for me is actually feeling that these runners can actually get you. In the game, you know, one jumps on you, you're like, whatever, you brush them off. But here, you really feel that pressure of the character, like Pedro Pascal, you're like, run, run for your life, Joel. So it goes into that and he finally gets to the moment. And if you were anybody who was trying to put The Last of Us in any medium, it doesn't matter what it is, this Sarah scene, you have to get it right. And they did. Pedro Pascal's performance was on point and Nico Parker as Sarah does a really good job as well. And that moment, man, just really sticks with you. You're gonna feel this as well if you're watching this after it and you haven't yet to see The Last of Us, but I'm sure you felt this as well for the people who play the video game watching it with someone that doesn't know anything about The Last of Us. You are sad throughout the entire opening because <laughs> you know what's gonna happen to this poor girl Sarah. And then so when Sarah goes down and that whole scene happens and like you look at Tommy and that visceral reaction from Tommy as well, it's, just, it's really good. Like I said, Gabriel Luna really nails that moment as well. So all three actors nail that moment. The heart drop, it's still there. And for them to capture that moment, and I remember after the entire time I told my wife, I was like, 
yeah, that happened in the video game, and this happened in 2013, and this is what makes Naughty Dog one of the greatest developers of all time. What is interesting is, like I said, when we were first introduced to the story in 2013, we never lived the pandemic, and I myself never lived as a father. Now I have two kids, and I've played this game multiple times, so I played it once without a daughter, once with a daughter, now I have two kids. But when you play that moment as a father, if you parent, mind you, and you see that happen, man, it is intense. There's nothing like it, and I'm just so happy, in a weird way to say, that the show itself captured that moment. So after it gets to that moment, it goes into Boston, which shoots 20 years later. And this is what I like more about the, the show itself than the video game. In the video game, you get a lot of behind the back, of walking around, and it's like little quips, little things. If you're going to find a little bit more of the lore, you're going to have to look, and you have to find a little piece of paper or find a tape recording to get that experience, to immerse yourself a little bit further. Thanks to the show itself and like I mentioned we're allowed to breathe with every character I'm allowed to chill with Joel in his very sad state a little bit longer it's hard for a video game to convey what a character goes through but seeing an actual human Pedro Pascal go through all this you can kind of connect a little bit longer Joel's this kind of guy now he's just living doesn't know what to live for but he's living and at the same time uh you know he Tommy's gone Tommy's off somewhere so now his mission is to let's find Tommy everything in this world now is scarce everything can't even find a car battery you literally have to pay 400 bucks for a battery and you have to kill some dudes to find a car battery and that's the kind of world they're living in and one of the moments that it showed like i mentioned naughty dog is really good attention to detail is he's talking to one of the guards the uh, federal guards and he's like we understand that joel was a drug dealer and things like that stuff but it's that's never shown really in the video game, you never really got a sense. It's mainly just said that he's like a smuggler of goods and things of that sort. And he can, he can get you stuff. But in the show, you see him giving drugs to this federal guard. But in that moment, he's like, all right, you could have the drugs, but I'm going to need the Ziploc bag back. And that's how much like that little Ziploc bag shows you how everything is scarce. In the video game, you get a sense of that because you can't find a lot of bullets. You got like six bullets, five shotgun shells, and you have to go into a section. And to get through that, you have to be very careful and be very particular how you engage with people with actual firearm combat. So that's why like the pipes and melee items and things like that are very valuable. But the show conveys this just by showing how everything, how dire it is. And it's really cool to see this quarantine zone of Boston and see the, the set pieces. Like you can see why that a lot of this show budget went into all of this because this is what really sells the situation. So the Boston segment is basically just Joel trying to get, you see him like doing all these kind of mundane jobs. He's doing anything that he can to make a ration cards and things like that so he could pay his way through being a smuggler kind of working in between the cracks between the fedra and then working around the fireflies which is this institution that is trying to up up level everything the status quo to bring it back to democracy and things like that so they're kind of like a, a liberation type situation underground i for one in the in the video game on the multiplayer the fireflies are the best so i had to say that for all my fans out there so when he gets down to the boston things it's just showing you how difficult life is and we're introduced to Joel in that aspect and how his life has changed and we're introduced to Tess which in the video game we really don't get that there are companions and lovers in that way until like later on into the video game but in the show you see it right away and that's what I'm talking about like it, you get that little bit extra time to see like oh, okay they, they they actually have something together there actually is a relationship versus just like co-workers almost I really do feel it this time in the show itself you also introduced to Ellie and what's interesting in the show there's a moment where they 
show Ellie, like someone who looks like Ellie, who is infected, and they're showing you how cruel this world is because they feed the little girl, they take her in, and then they get rid of her. So they're showing you that this is a cruel world that anyone could go in some moment. They're showing people hanged for literally trying to leave the uh, the quarantine zone. So you're you're seeing all this moments out how bad it is for everybody. It's like, did you actually survive? This is not living type of beat. So now when we meet Ellie, Ellie is captured by the fireflies. You have Marlene trying to figure out like, okay, we are no longer trying to retake over Boston. We're going to try to change. We're going to change what we're going to do here. And we're going to try to extract Ellie. But this is where, like I mentioned, when we see Ellie for the first time, that's Ellie. Like she's wearing the iconic Neapolitan kind of strawberry, chocolate, vanilla sweatshirt, a hoodie. But yeah, you see Ellie here. You're like, okay, that is Ellie. She is perfect for Lowell because she's a 14 year old and Bella Ramsey kind of captured that spirit very well. Now you're seeing Tess where she's dealing with the Robert who was supposed to get the battery. You see her go through that and you see how tough she is as a character. So I'm that's what I like a lot. And every scene that has done really well to get a great little tableau with that before it gets back into the, and we're gonna use this throughout the entire podcast, the video game track. So the video game track is uh, once we get to this point in Boston, in the game you go, cause they're like, uh, we need to get this battery. This guy, this guy kind of like, he lied to us. He sold it to somebody else. In the game you go through and you kill like four five people to get to Robert but here in the in the story it skips all that and you don't Joel doesn't kill anybody you don't you don't see all that and Tess doesn't kill anybody and doesn't cause like shots and anything like that instead it goes straight to uh, Marlene being shot and then Marlene telling Joel you're the only one who could do this Fedra's coming you need to take this girl and the the first interaction between Joel and Ellie is here and you're like wow to see Joel like so like I don't care who this kid is I see this girl as an enemy because you know Bella Ramsey tries to stab Joel with a switchblade and those was really cool like all these little easter eggs for the fans you see the switchblade you see all these kind of things like yes this will be important later one aspect before he met ellie was it shows joel is dealing with like a very very dark state of depression and he's you know relying on alcohol and relying on drugs and things of that sort and we did not explore that so much in the video game so it's really interesting to see joel in that manner the video game could have done that but we didn't get that and i and i'm trying to remember like why we didn't get that but i'm glad that it's here in the show because you see a broken man but you you see a broken man who's about to try to do the right thing because he wants to help his brother so he's trying to get some redemption and trying to help his brother who he hasn't seen in a long time and I, and I like that the show builds out this world a little bit more because Joel goes to see this guy who has the, the only dude with the radio and he literally skips this line of people who are trying to find other people and it's just showing you that Joel doesn't really care about other people Joel is the kind of guy that if you cross him he'll punch you right in the mouth and he's like hey man I, I need to know where Joel is and uh, Tommy I need to know where Tommy is and you get the notion that Joel's on a mission to literally leave Boston to go to the radio tower in Wyoming. So that's a little bit of a hint where this show may end up. Here we go. Now it gets into Joel, Ellie, and Tess, which is a good chunk of the Boston kind of narrative when we get here. And, and you know, this episode is supposed to be like 80 plus, but you really don't feel it as when you get to this point, considering all you experience. So when it gets into the Joel, Tess, and Ellie part now gets back to really the video game track. It doesn't really change anything else in the video game. That moment where she's the rain and the towers and all that, that itself is like one of the big staples of the show. It's a big stealth mission. And the big difference between the show and the video game is that it literally doesn't have Joel kill like 10 guards. <laughs> it doesn't have all that. It literally is that interaction that Joel had when he was selling drugs to the federal guard. 
it has this interaction that's it like that's literally that's just what i like about it it doesn't need to have unnecessary action it has the scene he goes ahead and he says hey you're not supposed to be out and he goes ahead and he, he tries to test each one and then this is where we find out that ellie is infected she stabs a guard and and joel has this flashback to you know, sharing with Sarah and, you know, being held up by the guard by gunpoint and he just goes ballistic on this guard. And I don't even think that the video game came close to that. I think it made you want to connect the dots, but to see that on the screen, to see the kind of juxtaposition between the past and the present and it just comes right through into the future was really awesome to see that performance. And this is where I noticed like, okay, this is not going to be the video game. We're not going to go through gameplay sequences beat for beat where we, the character, take over. It's mainly going to be, it feels like, the cutscenes, but the action is going to be where we take over as the player and it's going to have like some really good cinematic moments but once it gets in the cutscenes they're almost going to be a shot for shot for so far for episode one but i don't mind that and if it has shot for shot if this entire episode kind of run this limited series is going to be a little bit of like kind of behind the character type tableau the little pieces and a little bit of great of that naughty dog dialogue from the cutscenes, and then some of that cinematic set pieces that naughty dog's known for that we normally would control and a lot of us would probably die a million times we have ourselves a great show so once the guard goes down joel gets the gun and one of the most interesting things as well that i didn't get to highlight is that there is a scene between joel and ellie in the apartment and there's a code in this book this billboard top 100 and it's like 50s 60s 70s 80s 90s songs in every decade if you hear it on the radio it means something like something safe there's something available you need to call and there's something for the 80s that's the question mark so ellie tricks joel into telling him what 80s means which 80s means trouble so the episode ends with an 80s song playing kind of like a very brooding way and it's very spooky i would say is the word i'm looking for and it ends the episode so one of the things i noticed is that the last of us part two has uh the license for 80 songs and things of that sort and it kind of delve into music a little bit more and i think part one maybe because at the time they couldn't get licenses because they didn't think it was worth investing in licenses but it's so exciting to see what music could play that is by far one of the, the surreal most experiences as well before i wrap up the show just to be able to sit in that crowd to know that this game has gone through a journey and that personally that I've gone through a journey that of course it's like I'm progressing in my career and the game progresses in its career in a win way and to see it in the HBO show and to see it everywhere to see the billboards to see that font that I made so many thumbnails off of that press gothic widened font and I'm like I, I've, I've seen this font in every for so many years and now it's everywhere is beyond me to see all the developers happy and just to be able to share this story with people that don't play video games games gets me the most excited for the show itself and at the same time to see people like yourself that you may be listening to share it with people that as well that never experienced it. it's excited for us man it's an exciting time for last of us fans and it's an exciting time for video game fans the video game genre has kind of had a bad rap when it came to this entire hollywood type of beat i mean let's not talk about some of the atrocities that we've seen that has been produced by the video game genre in the movie space but the last of us show is going to be really really good i personally don't don't think it will get into part two uh, considering that it, it literally only covered a little portion of the game in the first episode and i'm expecting a lot of flashbacks that kind of get into the dlc uh, last of us uh, left behind which you hear a little bit instances of people talking about riley which i won't get too deep into but the last of us dlc 
left behind will definitely be a part of this as well. I don't know how far we'll get into part two. And one of the things that I'm most interested and excited about is Nick Offerman as Bill. He introduced the, hey, this is the world premiere. I think Nick Offerman is going to shine when we get to that point and we will continue on. And before I wrap up this podcast, thank you so much for joining me for The Last of Us, you and me. The future episodes will be much more on point. Again, I, I'm literally going off a memory of what I saw and what st- stood out to me the most in regarding the first episode. Future episodes of this podcast will be more like I would watch multiple, I will watch the episode multiple times. I'll have a better plot breakdown and I'll have better notes in regarding to this. This was just from the heart and I hope you enjoy this. Reach out to me at Twitter at Sancho West, S-A-N-C-H-O-W-E-S-T and this is part of you and me. What did you think of this episode? And I will read those, some of the ones that are standout comments, those tweets in the next Last of Us You and Me podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast and as always, endure and survive. Thank <laughs> you.